Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, good uh, good evening. How do you do? Oh, I, you know, I uh, indulged a bit last night uh, in, <laughs> in the drinks, so I'm not feeling so hot. Yeah, you're not feeling top, uh, top draw here? You know, it's not, not, not doing it Not feeling you. top draw, top draw, but... Uh, <laughs> There you go. Uh, Yes, last night uh, Scott was very fired up for the football match that uh, did not go the way that uh, Scott or myself, I was hoping for the Bills to win as well, but it was exciting, Scott. And isn't that all you really want? No, I want it to be exciting (laughs) and for the team I like to actually win something. Sean, you remember how fun it was in 2019 when the Raptors won? Yeah, I do. I want to experience that again. Fair. It's totally fair. And maybe soon, Scott. They're good. They're a good team. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Well, you know what else is going to be a lot of fun? The 2022 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts is kicking off on Friday night in Thunder Bay, which, of course, was scheduled to be the host of the 2021 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, which was, of course, postponed and then eventually put into the curling bubble in Calgary last year. So Thunder Bay gets it back. Unfortunately, nobody's going to be able to see it in Thunder Bay unless they're watching on TV as the provincial restrictions have limited access to the building. Nobody other than players or officials and the broadcasters will have access to the building at least until January 31st. There is a chance that with the Ontario rules changing at the end of the month that by championship weekend, there could be up to 500 fans in the stands for those playoff games, but it's certainly not going to be a full house and not the roaring crowd that uh, we've seen in Thunder Bay, Scott, Northern Ontario, for as much as some folks don't like that they have their own teams when there's events in that association, the folks come out and they, uh, they're, they're good fans. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, like they waited so long for this event They're supposed to have it last year. And then it gets postponed, and now they can't have it sort of in the full way that they were hoping. It's really too bad for the organizing committee and all the folks there in Thunder Bay because you know that they were going to put on a good show and everybody was going to have a good time. So uh, it's too bad. We will get curling on our TVs, though. Uh, so uh, silver lining there. But uh, hopefully we can get a, a full-fledged event back in Thunder Bay uh, as soon as possible. Hopefully, yeah. And it's rare that you get a hometown team, right? There's always obviously a home province team, but when you have a hometown team, which would have been the case, or it still is the case for Krista McCarville, it's, it's a lot of fun when those teams are, are there and, and the fans really get into it even more so than was just the home province team. So it's yeah. uh, that's, that's unfortunate for, for them. I know they were really looking forward to it and, and hopefully they can make the playoffs. And even if it's 500 fans, probably 500 people who like they've all taught or, like our neighbors, like they'll, they'll like know 495 of them. And uh, so it's, it should yeah. be fun if they can, if they can pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. So a couple changes this year from what we saw last year. Well, one thing is kept the same, but was a change from what was scheduled. 18 teams are back in the field for the Scotties this year. Three wildcard teams. They've returned to this 18 team format, but what will be different this year is there is no championship pool. Of course, championship pool or the pool play to championship pool started in 2018 at the Scotties in, I believe, Penticton uh, that year. And since then, it's been 16 teams to eight into the championship pool and then to a page playoff. Last year was 18 to eight to a three-team playoff. This year, though, because the playoffs I this is this is my take. The playoffs were slightly unsatisfying. It's not great for TV either to have eight days of round robin into playoffs, even though you're changing from pool play to the championship pool. So what Curling Canada has decided to do, and I'm I'm thinking with the full support of the Sports Network, is 
go to the model that we've seen at the mixed doubles national championship where we're going to have pool play into a what they're calling a modified page playoff so the way it'll work is that if you finish first in your pool you are guaranteed a spot in the page playoff the second and third place teams will cross over and play each other in a game the losers of those games are out they are eliminated the winners will play the first place finishers and the two winners of those games will play in the one, two game. The losers go to the three, four game. Scott, does that explanation one make sense? And I, I believe I was accurate in what I was saying. And two, do you like this change? It makes sense. Yes, Sean. And I think uh, having seen it at uh, one of the most recent events to, to qualify for the trials, uh, right? It was at the pre-trials we saw this format? I believe it was just the mixed doubles, but it could have been the pre-trials too. I can't I can't remember. Uh, it might have been the mixed doubles. Yeah, so it makes sense. Do I like it? I think what with this change, someone can win the Scotties without having played some of the, the best teams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as fair a system i'll say because you're not being forced to play everybody e- even right. when they have the championship pool okay you're not playing everybody but you're playing all the teams that are at the top so in that in that sense you know you still have to go through the gauntlet maybe okay you don't play some of the the weaker provinces but big deal probably you would have won that anyway so right. That's that. That's where I am with that. I I don't think it's inherently as fair, but given the the turnaround with which they added these extra wildcard teams, uh, I don't think they could have done anything else to start on Friday and then uh, with a full day like we saw last year. Yeah, the solution would be starting earlier on Friday. You'd have to start Friday afternoon if you want to get pool play into a normal page that's not ideal certainly you'd have to so that would be starting friday afternoon filling in the saturday morning slot which currently doesn't have a game scheduled playing straight through so that i mean it's possible but you just from a kickoff standpoint that's not really what you want to do and you, you certainly i don't think want to go to three again in the playoffs when you ha- especially if yeah. you're going to have a tie break it was kind of unfair last year so I don't know. It's not ideal. It's a one-year fix, but it is something to consider that there is this push now. A lot of people want to stick with this 18-team format. It does lead to questions about what you do for playoffs and how you're going to do it because you you cannot, I don't think, have an 11-day event. I think that is just, it's too much. Even at right, right now, it's at 10 days. Uh, or it's part mm-hmm. of 10 days, which I think is pushing it a little bit. Right? You're pushing your audience, you're pushing your participants. And what's the breaking point? I don't know. But it is something to think about that if if Curling Canada and the fans want 18 teams, there's going to have to be a, a give somewhere. And, and what yeah. that'll be, who knows? Yeah, and I think what's better about this is that uh, there is a little more margin for error from the teams. You, you do have to finish top three in your pool, but it's it's a little bit easier to say that than to finish top three in the whole field just to make the playoffs, right? So there is more of a chance for a team, you know, that still does well, finishes third in their pool. There's still like a, a path for them. Whereas when you go over to the championship pool, the, the teams that are in, you know, that seven and eight spot basically have no chance. And with the exception of 2018, that's what we've seen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's that, That's a little more, uh, make, makes that pill a little easier to swallow, I think. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of not playing everybody, it, it's true, yes, you, you won't have to necessarily play everybody. But you could also make the argument that in the old system, you didn't necessarily have to beat everybody either. So you, you no. could go through, lose to a team in the round robin, that team loses in the playoffs to somebody else. And then you go on to win the championship. So is that that much different? I guess it maybe is, but who knows? This is the system. This is what it's going to be. It's never going to be determining purely the best team, which would just be line everybody up, play everybody. Most wins at the end of the week wins. 
and you don't have a playoff yeah, space. Yeah. That's how you would actually determine the best team. But this is what we have. So once again, we have two pools, pool A, pool B. Scott, before we get into the pools, I, I was thinking this afternoon, do we think that there might be an advantage to the non-trials teams? So the the teams that did not play in the Olympic curling trials in November because they have been able to set their schedules a little more to the Scotties, gear their seasons towards this particular event, whereas the trials teams are coming off not only trying to get up and peak for the trials in late November, but also the disappointment then of not winning the trials. And we saw in 2018, it was a weird event. Jennifer Jones ended up winning, but it was a weird event throughout. Do we think that that might happen here? Maybe, maybe. I think that given that the trials were like a little bit earlier this year, I guess just a week, but that might mean, okay, we've had a little more time compared to four years ago uh, to kind of put that behind us. I think the, what the real advantage that we're going to see is from the teams that had an opportunity to play in playdowns, get those games under their belt because you know, for a team like Krista McCarvel that doesn't play regularly very much on tour, then coming into this event without even having to go through their provincial, will we see some rust in the first couple of games? And with you not playing everybody, every game is that much more important this time. So yep. yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that affects them. I, I That's what I would put it at. Like the, the teams that are good are still going to be good. And sure. I don't think Carrie Anderson losing at the trials is going to carry over into this kind of an event. They'll, they'll be one of the favorites. So, all right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, you, it's interesting. You mentioned the Chris McCarville situation. They probably haven't been able to be on ice at all in a while. Uh, given the yeah. provincial restrictions here, same with Holly Duncan and her team. So forget just the lack of games, just the lack of potential opportunities for practice uh, could have been a, mm-hmm. could have been a struggle for for those two teams. But let's get into it, Scott. As always, at these events, two pools, pool A and pool number two. One of these pools is much, much better than the other one. Uh, I would I would argue now they're, they're done with a formula. Each each team is ranked based off of their position on the. CRTS points or CTRS points and it's divvied up. So it's even based on the points in the rankings. I would argue that this is not even remotely even based on who these teams are. And that especially over the past two years where opportunities to get points have been so fragmented that the rankings are somewhat meaningless at this point, but this is the system. It's probably the most fair way to determine the two pools, but Scott, are you with me? that one of the pools is uh, decidedly stronger than the other. Yes. Yes. Pool A is much, much stronger than pool B. Yes, uh, I agree. So pool A is uh, the three wildcard teams of Tracy Fleury and uh, Chelsea Carey and Emma Miskew skipping for the absent Rachel Homan, who is, of course, on her way to Beijing. The rest of the field is Saskatchewan and Penny Barker. PEI with Suzanne Burt, Northern Ontario with Krista McCarville, New Brunswick and Andrea Crawford, Sarah Hill from Newfoundland and Labrador, and Bridget McPhail from Nunavut. And uh, yeah, that's a pretty loaded pool. Yeah, that's they've never had three wildcard teams in the same pool because nope. they've only had it once. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's that's kind of murderer's row when you think about it and and so like tracy flurry number one on the ctrs rankings yeah and then number two is jennifer jones who's not there so then you go to three and four and we'll talk about pool b walker and anderson and then you get right back to chelsea carey and rachel holman and a lot of those points that they earned this fall chelsea carey's rink played a lot uh gearing up for the Saskatchewan Scotties, but uh, Rachel Holman's team didn't. They earned most of those points trying to get into the Ontario provincial and 
and so yeah it's it's weird to use these points to to determine this but there there is no other way to do it no and i think the the, the issue here isn't so much the top 3 because the top 3 in in both pools are really good the top three, four are, are very good in both pools. Yeah. It's when you get to the bottom where it kind of breaks, unfortunately, for Krista McCarvel, for instance, who's ranked lower. They don't play a lot. They're number 12, but yeah. they don't play a lot. So they get put into this pool, uh, which is very good. And then just for kicks, let's throw Suzanne Burton there, too, uh, who's a great yeah. player, who, who who certainly is more than capable of making a playoffs or in a normal year making the championship pool. So you're looking at five I think really strong teams. Penny Barker, not a lot of experience here. And when she's been here before, hasn't had a lot of success. But if you get out of Saskatchewan, you're good. They don't win a lot yeah. nationally at, at this level. But if you get out of that province, you're good and you can win games. So it's it's going to be really tough for people to come through. And then Andrea Crawford's another one. like A lot of experience, good player. A good team, all of whom have been here a bunch. They they know how to win games at this level. They're they're not going to go undefeated in any field at Scotty's, but they're good and they can win and they'll give you a good game. So you're looking at out of the nine teams, seven are really good and experienced, and it, it's going to be a, a real tough slog to get out of this. And this might be why the new playoff structure might be fairer for these teams because if they're just going to beat up on each other. And you get more yeah. of a separation in the other pool potentially. The the four that would come out of this pool could be coming out with maybe the, the best team has two losses. Uh probably not right. three, but but two is not would not be crazy that the first place team here has two. And so you might be starting at a deficit relative to the other pool. But it, this is gonna be a mm-hmm. every time pool A is on, it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, yeah. There there's gonna be no shortage of options for TSN in pool A for sure. Yes. So I got a couple things for each team here, Scott, or really one thing for each team I just want to, to talk about. So let's go through based on the ranking, and we'll start with Tracy Fleury, top-ranked team in the country. And the question here is, can there be a letdown for Tracy Fleury? The way they lost that final at the trials, very difficult. You thought that they had lost it, then you thought they had won it, and then they lost it again. Uh, so just the mm-hmm. the roller coaster of that, they missed the playoffs at the Manitoba Scotties, went five and three in the the second pool, missed the playoffs. Everyone else was the three teams at six and two to get in. Is there a chance that they're not up for this event in the way that we saw them be great at the trials? Yeah, Sean, as someone who has recently undergone some emotional roller coaster. Um, <laughs> Thinking, thinking a team had won and then lost and then lost. And anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's definitely possible for them to experience that letdown. We saw, like you mentioned, they missed the playoffs in the Manitoba Scotties. Was, uh, that was incredible. Like no one could have foreseen that, especially with Jennifer Jones not in the field. Uh, so I think that was their letdown. So now maybe that they've gotten that letdown out of their system. They're still getting to come back to this event as the wild card number number one seeded team. So I'm going to say that their letdown is behind them and they'll come out really focused uh, in Thunder Bay. They lost one game, Sean, one game in the Olympic trials and it was the wrong one to lose. <laughs> so they're good enough. Uh, I think they'll be there at the end of the week. Yeah, they should be, certainly. And they, they, you would think that they'll be in that top three. And I, I think they might have got hurt a little bit on just the timing of the Manitoba Scotties, that it happened as early as it did. Normally, you see it a little later in the calendar. But of course, the calendar's all screwed up this year. So that was a pretty tight turnaround from trials into mm-hmm. the Manitoba Scotties. And they didn't play poorly. You know, you're five and three, that's that's good. Like, that's, that's not bad. That's a, a good result. Just three teams happened to go six and two. You kind of got hosed a little bit on the results yeah. elsewhere. The, the scoreboard didn't break for you. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll be fine. Uh, and, and an event that I don't know if they're the favorite coming in. I would say they're not, uh, but they're certainly in the, the discussion as a team that you would expect to be there on Sunday. For sure. For sure. So let's move on to wild card number two, Chelsea Carey, fifth ranked team in the country at the moment. The question here, Scott, will Chelsea Carey be in FU mode? after the discussion about whether or not the team should have been included in the wild card game 
as was about a week of a discussion before the format change was announced, should they be in that game or not? Does Chelsea Carey come in here with the chip on her shoulder? And if she does, what does that mean for the rest of the field? Um, I think so. I think so. I think what's going to limit Chelsea Carey is the play of her teammates, right? We all know Chelsea can do it. She's one, two. Uh, so it's going to come down to how the other three perform at, at this level. Uh, some experience there already, but you know, Chelsea can be in FU mode, but if she's not getting uh, the proper shots to set her up for success, then she's not going to win many games. Um, yeah that that's my thought yeah so if you look at the team jolene campbell at third stephanie schmidt at second and jennifer armstrong at lead like jolene campbell national champion with amber holland back in 2011 but if you watch those tapes it's an amber holland championship not to take anything away mm-hmm. from the team amber holland was just incredible that whole week back in 2011 so again you, you have that experience championship experience and yeah can you put chelsea carry into that position and what is their communication like when the last time she won in 2019 so much was made about what uh ferguson and rochelle brown were able to do in terms of calming things down simplifying the game simplifying the language so how much of that has happened with this team it'll be fun to watch this will be our first chance to really see the four of them on a big stage like this they were scheduled to play in the grand slam this month which of course was canceled so this will be the first chance to see them on tv it'll be fun to uh, to get a look mm-hmm. at new look chelsea carry team yeah for sure all right next up wild card team number three that's rachel homan's team ranked sixth in the country at the moment of course rachel homan is on her way to beijing as i said so emma miskew is going to step in and play the skip position ali flaxie Longtime skip of her own. She's played in the trials before. She's made it in, in 2017. She's going to come in and play second. And Sarah Wilkes will step up mm-hmm. to third. The question, Scott, is can Emma Miskew skip? Sean, I think that's the question everybody's going to be asking themselves <laughs> because she's literally never done it. Yeah. Right? She was supposed to do it at the the Grand Slam to end last year with Rachel off having uh, given birth. And Rachel was like, no, 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 we're, we're not, we're not going to see this yet. You step aside. Yeah. I'm back. So, you know, there's no reason to think she can't, she can make all the shots for sure. It's just going to be a question of, is the routine something that's going to be disrupted enough to where it, it rattles her? I would say no, yeah. uh, most, most likely not. So that that's, I think that's one of the big stories of the whole week, Sean. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's maybe the biggest story coming into the event of of whether Emma Miskey can do it. I'm sure she's skipped in like a charity something or like a fun spiel. Like I'm sure she's thrown the last no, rock no, before. Never but yeah, not, <laughs> but yeah, certainly not at an event uh, of this magnitude. The other question, of course, is Ali Flaxy. How does the skip do stepping down to the second position? And you also then have the change of Sarah Wilkes. Of course, Sarah Wilkes has won a national championship at the third position. That's not like she's never done it before. So we'll see how that all comes together in in those positions. They, they, they're all, they all know each other. They've known each other for like 10, 20 years. So, I mean, it's, it's not a case of you have to get to know Ali Flaxy at all. Uh, It's just a case of how do you work together, playing together for the first time. I, I think it'll be interesting to see. And eventually, of course, a skip has to hit the button at the, the last shot either of a game or an end of a big end facing a couple and the fact that you've never done that before how does that weigh in like you've had so many pressure situations that you've been in but it's a little different when you're the one throwing it i would think so it'll be fun to see how emma miskew responds and whether or not the Mm -hmm. team can come together and and play well they certainly didn't play well at the trials so here's a chance Mm -hmm. for the rest of the team to come back and have a nice little response to that while Rachel's off at the Olympics. Absolutely. Who's next? Next up for this major pool A is Saskatchewan and Penny Barker ranked 11th in the country at the moment. Penny Barker did represent Saskatchewan back in 2017. Came across a pretty interesting stat, Scott. The team went 1-10, in 10, which from an analytic perspective is not good. But... Over the course of the week, they scored points in 45 ends. So in 11 games, they scored 45 ends. 
they gave up points in 52 ends. So that's mm. not that big of a disparity. You wouldn't think if the other teams are scoring in seven more ends over the course of the week that you would go one in 10. You would think it'd be slightly even. But here is the kicker is that in those 52 ends, they gave up 86 points. So every time the other team scored, it was 1.65 points on average. Every time they yeah, scored, every time they scored 1.35 points. So 61 points in 45 ends. So that's it. Like you're giving up big ends and getting a majority of singles back. Can they change that? Can she crack deuces, crack threes when she needs to, which is going to be tough in this field. These teams can play defensively uh, and have the ability to uh, the high weight appeals to clear things out. That's going to be the question for Penny Barker. How much has that scoring dynamic can she change from her last time here? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great stat that they're definitely going to have to do that. And they're going to have to, to do it against a level of talent that I would say is higher than the last time. So it's going to be tough. They're a good team for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, th- this pool is so hard. I, I think it's going to be a little too much for them. It's going to be tough. Uh, no question because the teams ahead of them are great. And a couple of the teams behind them uh, are great too. So it's it's going to be a tough mm-hmm. sled for Penny Barker, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what she can do here on her second time back. So next up is Krista McCarville, 12th ranked team in the country. They, of course, lost the semifinal game at the Canadian Olympic Curling Trials back in November. Scott, for the week, Krista McCarville threw 82% on her hits. Only 75% on her draws and 73% on her intern draws. That's not what you expect Mm. from Krista McCarville. So can she get the draw weight back? We saw her miss a weird, weird ways too. Like she threw, I think she threw a couple through on open draws. Just things that that we haven't seen Krista McCarville do in a very long time. Can she find that weight, especially early enough in the week to keep in contention so that they could be there for a spot once we get to Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah, yeah, definitely didn't put wasn't as sharp last year uh, as we've seen in the past. And you know, you you mentioned and we talked about the rust. That's something I'm looking for with this team. And then being the home team, the hometown team, is that uh, a plus or a minus? Right? Uh, plus, you could probably go and sleep in your own house, but I think yeah. they're controlling where the players are. So, yeah, it, it a lot of variability I think for this team. But when it comes down to to it, we've seen her win big games to to put them in position. And I I think despite the tough competition, I think they'll be there at the end. I I don't think they'll win this pool, but I think they'll be be in contention for sure. Yeah, I I think the no fans might be an advantage to them. They're not going to be the focus in the building the whole time. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. just going to be like playing another game, hopefully for them. So, at the same time, it's it's always fun when people are cheering for you and people are rooting you on yeah. in a very uh, enthusiastic manner. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that. But uh, and Kristen McCarville, she does play a more defensive style than some of the other teams uh, in this pool. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see that mesh of styles. Like her against Suzanne Burt will be fun. I hope that's a TV game whenever that game takes place because Suzanne Burt wants points and rocks and play and, and McCarville is less enthusiastic about that. So it, mm-hmm. it'll be fun to see how all this plays out with, with those teams, but kind of got hosed on the, the dry, I think a little for, for Kristen McCarville. Yeah, it's tough. Next up in the pool is Andrew Crawford from new Brunswick. This is going to be a new look side for new Brunswick as Sylvie Quillian formerly Sylvie Robichaud, multiple-time women's provincial champion as a skip, has joined the team, joined the team in the spring of 2020. They, of course, did not make it to the Scotties last year. It was Melissa Adams who represented New Brunswick. So this will be the first time we see this pair at a Scotties. It'll be interesting to see that, Scott, because Sylvie Robichaud is a great player. She's skipped, as I said, in Scotties before. At the Mixed Nationals, have seen her play. Now stepping down to third, I think that might be a better fit for her just based on having talked to her a couple of times and, and just sort of seeing her results at these events. 
and Andrew Crawford's been there, done it all. I, I think this team could be a wrench in some of these other teams' plans. Absolutely. Uh, Sylvia Robichaud is a great curler in her own right. And fitting into this team, I think I think it's a good fit, to, to be honest. Uh, they've got the strong front end. Uh, Jill Babin is still on their team, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, a pretty strong front end. Not not the powerful sweeping that you see from like a team Holman or a team flurry on the front end, but uh, able to make their shots and manage stones really well. So yeah, I think this team could be a thorn in the side of some of these other teams. And and all it takes, you know, is to get one or two wins under your belt early and then yeah. start feeling it and roll. And uh, yeah. they've definitely got the skills to be able to do it. It's about putting it all together when the time comes. Yeah. Which will, which will be tough as, as we've said, but it's yeah. Like again, this is one of the lower ranked teams in the pool and uh, they're good. They're, they're certainly good. So it's yeah. yeah just, it, it, I, I hate to just keep reading, repeating myself, but there it's a, such a good pool. Uh, and that brings us to Suzanne Burt, 27th ranked team in the country. Take the over with Suzanne Burt. In her games last year, she went four and four in pool play, did not advance into the championship pool. Lowest number of points was 13 in a game for Suzanne Burt. That was the lowest. So, you know, in games they won, they, right? No, in all the games. The lowest number of point, total points scored. Total in the game. points. Total right. points scored. They hit double digits themselves three times. But yeah, the total number of points in a game, lowest was 13. So, there's going to be rocks in play, no blanks. So anyone who hates blanks, advocate for more Suzanne Burke games on your TV because uh, she'll always be in it because she can come back, but also means the other team's always in it too because uh, she's liable to leave stuff in play and play aggressively. It makes for good TV, but it also leads to sometimes you're like, ooh, maybe, maybe, maybe hit that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the, this team, we got to see them a lot last year on TV as you'll recall. Uh, And we'll see what happens this year with the TV coverage. Uh, The the next teams we're going to talk about, I I fear will not get any coverage again. Uh, If Suzanne Burt can come out, get a couple early wins, then we should be able to see her back on our TVs. Uh, With the pool play the way it is, right? The whole pool is playing at the same time. And there's so many heavy hitters further up the rankings that I'm sure TSN will want to put on TV before they put on, you know, Suzanne Burt versus Andrea Crawford. So a little unfortunate that way that uh, we might get less Suzanne Burt on our TV, but uh, here's hoping they go on a run and we get to see her all week long. Absolutely. All right. uh, Two more teams in the pool. These folks might have a tough time getting some wins over the course of the week, but you never know. They're there. They have a better chance of winning than I do because I'm not playing in the games. So let's start with Newfoundland and Labrador. Sarah Hill, 78th ranked team in the country, played last year at this event, went two and six. Interesting note, Scott, when they had the hammer last year, they did not blank an end. Hmm. I like that. Interesting strategy. So again, rocks in play. Things are going to be interesting. Uh, so Sarah Hill and her team... Again, younger-ish team building up, uh, you know, women's mm-hmm. curling in Newfoundland and Labrador. We haven't seen a lot of success in a while there. So maybe since what, Heather Strong probably is the last one who who really had a, a strong team <laughs> and uh, uh, was make uh, nice. you know threatening for playoffs. So hopefully that they can they can pull it out, but it's going to be tough in this pool for them. Oh yeah, I think uh, any win this week would be a pretty big victory. Yes. And rounding out the team or the field, excuse me, in pool a is Bridget McPhail from Nunavut. Bridget McPhail has played in the junior championship before in 2007. She was the lead for Mary Jane McCollum in New Brunswick that, uh, so she is from New Brunswick. The other players are from territory. Two of them are in the East coast for school the lead, Allison Taylor, is still in Iqaluit. She just met some of the other members of the team in person. They're, they're in Halifax training right now for the Scotty. So they just met in person for the first time. But at least you have three people who are from the territory. 
and uh, Bridget McPhail is stepping in to skip. The, the question, though, Allison Taylor has not been able to play at all. The Calumet Curling Club has been closed for both COVID and uh, some water issues there in Calumet. So she's the lead, so it's not as detrimental as if the skip hadn't thrown in a couple months, but that could be problematic for a team. And I, I think the goal for them will probably be to play a full 10 ends, if we're being honest. Yeah, and I, they could aim to get one win. I think uh, like that would be a pretty successful week. Yeah. So that's pool A. Let's quickly move on to pool number B. Scott, uh, we'll go through again. In order of the rankings, we'll start with Laura Walker, third-ranked team in the country. The question, of course, can she improve on her bronze medal from last year? Uh, kind of an interesting stat. She went 3-5 and five at the trials, but was plus on the point differential. Scored 61, gave up 57. But the other team scored in more ends than she scored in. So when she's giving up points, it was giving up low low scores and getting multiples. Of course, the, mm-hmm. the really tough finish to the trials for her against Jackie Harrison, draw 17, scored five in the third end, gave four right back. Uh, really mm. tough losing in the extra end. So can she improve? They are an ascendant team. I think that they should do very well in this pool. Yeah, this pool sets up really nicely for them. That's that's a cool stat about, you know, they're they're scoring multiples and giving up singles or maybe twos, but yeah. uh, breaking it open when they score. So, <clears throat> you know, if we see that trend continue, Pythagorean win-loss is a lot higher than what she posted there at the trials. So I'm, I'm excited to watch them mix it up this week. Me too. Uh, yeah. And it's sort of the opposite of what we saw with Penny Barker in 2017, where you're scoring singles, giving up multiples. So that's uh, mm-hmm. a, a sort of a good, obviously you want to win the games and it's better to win the games, but that's sort of a good outline stat that shows that maybe the record doesn't reflect sort of the, the game play or the game style at least. Next up is the two-time defending champion, fourth-ranked team in the country, Carrie Anderson. Scott, Carrie Anderson will be trying to become only the fourth woman to ever win three consecutive national championships. Can you name the three of them? Colleen Jones. Correct. 01, 02, 03, and 04. I want to say that woman from Saskatchewan. Vera Pezzer, correct. 71, 72, and 73. Yeah, I, I knew her name was short, Vera. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other one with three in a row. Jennifer Jones? Jennifer, Jennifer Jones, Jones, 08, 09, and 2010. So Carrie Anderson will be trying to join them as the only women to win three consecutive national championships. Uh, they're really good. That's my That's analysis. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, this team's really good, Sean. They. Uh, I think they'll, I think they have a good attitude coming out, you know, disappointing to not advance to the Olympics. I know that's what they were put together for, but, uh, they, they've got some unresolved business at the worlds and I think would really love a chance to get back there, uh, for a little redemption. All right, let's move on to Manitoba. Mackenzie Zacharias, they're the seventh ranked team in the country. Three and five last year, missed out on the championship pool. Came through one Manitoba first time for a provincial championship for Mackenzie Zacharias. Beat Christy Watling in the final. Last year, Scott, Carly Burgess, we've talked about how good she is, a a key for this team. Last year, she was 76% on her draws, 77% on her hits. Uh, She was the sixth ranked third, which isn't bad, certainly. But you would like to see her do a little better if you can bump those percentages up a couple points because Mackenzie Zacharias herself, the 11th ranked skip in the field last year. So if, if Carly can bump those a little bit, you might expect a bigger increase in Mackenzie Zacharias's numbers and certainly in comparison to her opponents by just putting her in that much better position. So I think Carly Burgess is going to be key for this team as well as Mackenzie Zacharias getting her feet wet earlier and getting more comfortable because she was great later in the week last year. It was just that early stumble that that really hurt her. So I think that'll be a a key trend to look for. Yeah, and this team, uh, you know, benefiting from that three wildcard format last year, getting the opportunity to get some experience, come back, win Manitoba this year. I don't think anybody uh, thought that was going to happen, mostly because everyone thought Tracy Fleury was going to win Manitoba. But uh, like a pretty great story for them to come through and break through 
so early in their careers in Manitoba. You know, we, we talked about Chelsea Carey having to wait so long to get that Buffalo on her back and uh, the, the pride that she took when she finally did. So for a team so young to come and break through this quickly, a lot of skill, a lot of talent there. They're bringing Lori Olson Johns as their fifth. So maybe that, that will help with some of the adapting to, you know, the rhythms of the week. Uh, it, it's again, not like a regular week. You're not going to the up close and personals. You're not doing autograph sessions, but it, it'll be good to have that veteran voice in the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, no question about it. She's that uh, Lori Olson John's great. So let's uh, move on to the next team. Uh, see who might be able to squeeze their way into that top three. Get in between Alberta, Canada, Manitoba from that modified page. The first one up is Holly Duncan, Team Ontario. Got in, of course, with the somewhat controversial decision by Curl Ontario that if Rachel Homan hadn't gone to the Olympics, it would have been Team Homan. But it's not. It's Holly Duncan. And she, of course, was there in 2018, made it to the championship pool through a tiebreaker. This year, they are 25 and 11. They're crushing people, scoring 9.2 points a game, only giving up 6.4 with a 46% hammer efficiency. Went 3-3 three and three at the pre-trials, even played the national going 2-3 and three there. Uh, so they're having a great season. Scott, I think the question here will be, can they keep that momentum going throughout this event? Yeah, exactly. It'll be all about the momentum. As you said, they've had a great year so far. Uh, they're converting with the hammer. You know, they're protecting against the steals. They're winning events. Uh, not much more you can you can do than what they did this year. So uh, mm-hmm. I think they're a, a real team to watch in this pool with uh, the Team Zacharias, the relative lack of experience. I know Holly Duncan has also got not that much experience, but been there before. Mm-hmm. I think one Scotty's, right? Yeah, I believe and, 2018 was the one. Yeah. And uh, a, a pretty, a pretty good experienced team behind her too, with Megan Balston and Rochelle and Tess at the front end there. So this should be, I, I think this is the team to watch in this pool. See if they can keep their momentum going, as you mentioned. All right, uh, and another team that's going to try and keep some momentum going off a pretty good season is. Kerry Galusha, Northwest Territories, 13th ranked team in the country, 4-4 and last year, just missing the championship pool in that last draw against Beth Peterson and uh, couldn't quite pull off that game. Did beat Rachel Homan in that event. The question is, is this the best chance for Kerry Galusha to make a playoffs at a Scotty's? I might argue that yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, as much as Pool A was a disadvantage for a team like McCarville or, or Team Burt, the pool B is an advantage for Kerry Galusha. Uh, Nineteen times there, as you mentioned, it, it, this is the year. If it's going to break, it's going to be this year. I don't see her coming back past this year. It's the end of the quad. Uh, she's hinted at retiring already. So, yeah, I, I, if it's going to happen, it's got to be now. And it is probably the best opportunity that she's had in a long, long time to to get into that sort of modified playoff as we talk talked about yeah I, I, yeah i think the key is going to be for her not to give up games against the teams below her right because she can as we, we see it pretty much every year she'll she'll get a game against one of the top teams she's she's good enough to yeah. do that does it all the time you just can't slip against the teams that are below you uh, win the games that you're quote-unquote supposed to win so see what happens there for carrie galusha always rooting for carrie galusha on this show to uh, to make a playoff that'd be a lot of fun to see her in that modified Absolutely. page all right, next up yeah. is Nova Scotia. This is skipped by Christina Black, who was part of that 2018 bronze medal performance where Marion Arsenault skipped a younger team to that bronze medal. I was I looked through the teams, guys. I was like, oh, this is a young team. And then they're kind of my age. And I was like, oh, maybe they're <laughs> not a young team. And then I, then I had this existential crisis of, oh, my God, do I think I'm old? And then it really wound me up to the point where I had to just step away from everything for a minute. But uh, so uh, Christina Black stepping into the skips role. It'll be fun to see what they can do here, uh, whether or not they can build on what they learned from Marion Arsenal. Sort of the note I have for them is how much did they pick up? What tips did they get? How much did that experience rub off on them? And now that they're on their own without Marion Arsenal, what will the residual result be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
the the difference between this team and that team is that that team had Marion Arsenal throwing rocks for it, right? Like, yeah, she's one of the greats. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how they manage to do without that. I, I think it's going to be tough. So, yeah, I, I I'm not uh, optimistic. I'm not really down, but uh, I I don't know if I see it this year. But if they you know, if they get an early win or two, it's possible. Yeah, anything's possible, like Kevin Garnett says. <laughs> All right, next up on this pool, it's Team British Columbia, skipped by the aforementioned Mary Ann Arsenault. Scott, on this team, you have Gina Schrader, Sasha Carter, and Renee Simons. Combined, this team has 11 Scotties championships and five world championships and they are the 14th ranked team in the pool or in the, in the field, excuse me. So, you know, that's kind of fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Right. Like, yeah, uh, this, this team will be there at the end of the week. I'm calling my shot right now. They will be one of the three teams to advance from this pool. Okay. Just too much experience. you think too, too much experience. They're just too good. I think to, uh, to, to not be there and looking at the, competition in this pool i think if they were in the other pool it would might be a different story they're god they're really good the question though is you know over the course of the week they're the older team overall sweeping can you you know maintain that i mean we haven't seen gina schrader sasha carter renee simons in a while you know they did win in what was 0506 or 0607 like it's been a while since they've won so i think it's fair to wonder but yeah, they're, they're really, really good. And it's yeah. remarkable to me that they're ranked this low. But again, that's the points. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Next up is Team Quebec, the sensation of last year's event, Laurie Saint-Georges and her team. They are back. Uh, there was not a provincial in Quebec. They were selected by the Provincial Association. What's interesting here, Scott, is they were so good last year in the round robin in the pool play and then went 0-4 in the championship pool. And, and so I pulled up some of the numbers that if, if you look at the plus minus that Lori herself, she was minus three in the championship pool. Haley was minus four in the championship pool. Emily was minus four in the championship pool. And Cynthia was minus one in the championship pool. So combined minus 12 in four games of the championship pool. So as the competition got better, their results relative to their opponents got worse. So the question mm-hmm. is, can they keep up with the top teams in the fields? Can they, you know, can the four of them collectively play with a team flurry, team Walker, team Anderson? That's going to be the question. They can obviously compete with the other teams, but once it gets to the, the that brass tax, those top teams, how are they going to respond? Yeah. Um, they've got a lot more experience, you know, uh, in this past year. And I, I, what I'm hoping is that we get to see them on TV a lot more than we did last year. Yeah. Just because they're they're fun on TV. Uh, they look For like sure. they're having fun out there. The curling rock stars. Yeah. That's what I that's what I want to watch this week. Yeah, and I think they'll get some games after last year and the social media sensation of it all. And uh, mm-hmm. so it should be it should be fun to see them out there, and uh, yeah, getting some good coverage. And wrapping up Pool B, it's Haley Bernie. From the Yukon, she did skip the Yukon in 2020, went 0-7. Scott, in that event, they did not complete a 10th end in those seven games. So I think the goal for them this week is, if it's not to win a game, uh, to keep things close, play tight games, get to a 10th end. I don't say that as any shade to Haley Burney or her team. I always remember what... uh, David St. Louis told us when we played against him before he went to the Briar as Nunavut that their goal was to get to a 10th end. And, uh, mm. and that's okay. Just these teams are really good. And uh, can she do it and find more success than they found in 2020? And I hope they can. Absolutely. So there you have it. Uh, all 18 teams that are heading to Thunder Bay this week. Scott, give it to me now. Let's go with pick your three teams in each pool and then just give me the winner. Oh boy, I, I didn't prepare for this, Sean. I didn't prepare for this. So okay. I'll start in Pool B. Uh, I'll take BC. I'll take Carrie Anderson, Team Canada. Yep. And 
Laura Walker. I, I don't. Okay. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Holly Duncan would be my uh, fourth in that pool, and then in pool A, give me Tracy Flurry, give me Krista McCarvel, and a Holmanless Holman. Okay. So you're saying Chelsea Carey misses out, and I'm going to disagree with you on that. I'm going to go with uh, same Krista McCarvel and Tracy Fleury, but I'm going to throw in Chelsea Carey in that mix. And then over in pool number B, I'm going to go with Carey Anerson. I will go with Carey Galusha to get that third spot, have a nice run this week. And then also I will take, yeah, I'll take Laura Walker as well. It's kind of hard not to, right? It is hard to win. And I'm going to go with, maybe this is a bold choice. I don't know. Kristen McCarvel wins. I've said it on the show before, so I'm going to stick with it. Who do you got to win? Yeah, and uh, that that's going to be my heart pick, Sean, but uh, my head pick, give me the three-peat. Back to back to back for Carrie Anderson is Scott's pick. So there you go. That's it. That's it. Scotty's previewed. Boom. <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to the preview if you have not yet please do subscribe wherever you get your podcast your likes rating comments all that good stuff helps us out helps grow the show helps other people find us on the interwebs and then do follow along as we will tweet about all the fun and frivolity from thunder bay at game of stones pod on both twitter and then we'll do some instagramming as well, or over on Facebook, Game of Stones Podcast. You can follow along with everything going on there. And head on over to GameofStonesPod.com, all of our past episodes, plus a link to the merch with proceeds to Food Banks Canada and the Sandra Schmirler Foundation. So that'll do it for this episode. Plan is to be back a little later in the week with some other content, as a lot is going on in the world of curling. But, Scott, you need to take a break. You need to calm yourself down. You need to escape the stress of the last 24 hours. How are you going to do mm-hmm. that? Uh, I might play a little bit on the computer. I got uh, Saturday Night Live to watch from this weekend. Heard it was pretty nice. funny. Good. So I uh, got that. Uh, and you know what? I might just order pizza tonight because pizza makes me happy. Well, enjoy it. And uh, hopefully by the time the curling gets on TV later in the week, you're back in your good mental state. Oh, I, I think I'll be there. Well, uh, so there you go, everybody. Uh, that's our Scotty's preview. Again, thank you for listening. Enjoy the games. We'll be back later in the week. But until then, get those brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert. Make the final.